We're gonna live in a house too big We're gonna buy our parents everything We're gonna wonder how you got this end Never seen you show us love and now you love to pretend One day you're gonna question Are you in heaven? No, it's just episode number seven. Welcome back to the North of 60 forecast. I'm Greg. <laughs> I'm Darren. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe you actually did it. <laughs> I can't believe I've done this. Oh, I can't believe I've done this. <laughs> Have the listeners heard our accents yet? Like our British accents? They're not going to. You just did it. Ah, crikey. That's why I asked. <laughs> oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. Crikey. Yeah. The more you know. Welcome to the seventh episode <laughs> of the North of 60 forecast. If you didn't glean that from our intro. <laughs> yeah, what's uh, what's good? What are you listening to lately? Uh, you gave me shit for it last week because of a certain documentary that just came out. But Shawn Mendes' new album, Wonder. Oh my god. I don't care what you think of him as a person, and, no. I, and I haven't watched that thing. Yeah. The album kicks ass. I so, love this album. I agree. I, I've never listened to a full Shawn Mendes album, but I think he is very talented. It's just there's this one scene in the documentary. I didn't even, I was so excited to watch a documentary. And then I saw a TikTok or whatever it was of a scene from it where he's sitting like playing a piano and his girlfriend Camila Cabello comes in and she's like, wow, it sounds really good. And he says something like, he's like, um, like it sounds like my soul. I forget. He's like, he's like, yeah, it sounds like my soul. And she's like, that's how it feels. And he's like, it feels like my soul. <laughs> and I, it was like something along those lines. Excuse and me. As soon as I saw that, I was like, I am watching anything else. <laughs> so that's why I ignored the documentary. Yeah. Good call. You check out the album. It's really good. The guy's an incredible singer. He's even a pretty okay guitarist. For the genre. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, totally. He's a good guitarist. They just released a new uh, Fender, I think it's called a Music Master, uh, Shawn Mendes Signature. It's like a floral print like a Fender Offset. That's pretty cool. Super cool. It's oh, Some oh. may say that you can feel the soul <laughs> when you play it. Oh, one would say. <laughs> one that's, would. Uh, that's cool. What are you checking out this week? Um, this week, I listened to like a lot more music than usual this week. One that I listened to, I'm going to pull the name back up. It, the artist is Aaron West in the Roaring Twenties. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, which is um, what, what's his name? Something Campbell. Soupy, Soupy, whatever is Dan Campbell. Dan I think Campbell, his name yeah. is the vocalist of the Wonder Years. Um, the album is called. Isn't it just the whole Wonder Years on, under a different name? No, no, it's just um him, and then he like got this band, maybe, but he got a band because they, they don't like even play. He plays a goose guitar, and then there's a, they have a horn section in the band. I know. I and thought um I think it was Rob's gonna get another shout out, but Rob yeah. who told me uh that they do have extras outside, but the core of the band is oh, just it's literally Wonder it's just years. the Wonder Years. Yeah, it could be. I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. It could be. I have no idea. The album is called We Don't Have Each Other. Um, it's a super sad album, but just for the musicality of it, man, I love that album. The lyricism too. Like he is like, he'll, you won't be sad. Like you won't be going through a breakup, but you'll listen to our apart, our apartment. That song breaks my heart. And you'll be heartbroken at the end of it. Yeah. So that's the one song I always go back to on it. Just it's such a beautiful song, but, um, I love the wonder years, man. They're such oh, a talented band. Dude, the wonder years are amazing. They're one of those bands that were like, um, you know, when there's bands that really like almost shift, um, when you recognize a change in your life and you're related to a band, that's yeah. one of those bands for me. So what, why I've like grown with them so much is because I feel like as I've grown up, they've grown up with me. Mm -hmm. Like, cause I, they released the uh, the upsides when I was 
much younger. Then as I've grown up, they've gone to this kind of like more serious toned, deeper music. Very serious. What was the last album they did? Raining uh, with Raining in Kyoto. That, that might not even called. be the last album at this point. I think they have one more after that. Yeah. I might be wrong. They do. But um, like The Greatest Generation is such an incredible album. That's, yeah, that's one of my top albums ever. I yeah. love that album so much. Suburbia is amazing. The Upsides, as, as like juvenile as The Upsides might be, that's what like one of my favorite pop punk albums of all time. Well, and the upsides came out at a perfect time too when that was pop punk. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So like that made sense for that album. But no, the The Greatest Generation is one of my top albums of all time. For sure it is for me too. I love that album so much. Um but yeah, no, the Aaron West and the Roaring Twenties are really dope. Um that's what I've been listening to lately. What? What are we talking about today? So last week we did our typical vocal chain that we'd use in all our songs. So this week we decided we're going to do my guitar chain, which for the most part has been the same for the last eight, nine months, give or take. Kind of like uh, what Greg said last week, some of the equipment and gear has changed, but the principles have remained the same. Yeah, definitely. As I've uh, acquired more stuff over the last few months. A couple few things. Yeah. (laughs) We won't get into that. Y'all heard about that already. So... At the very core of all of it, I'd say 99.9% of the stuff I record starts with a Strat. Uh, I'm thankful to have a few at my disposal. I just picked up recently a new uh, American Professional 2, which has these, uh, I believe they're called V-Mod pickups in it. And uh, it's become my go-to strictly because uh, I love the low end on it a lot. It's super, like, uh, punchy, almost, yeah. without very- being boomy. That's what I was going to say. It's very tight, but it's not, like, muddy. It's in your yeah. face, but it doesn't have, like, that mud that you get out of a lot of guitars. Because what you learn, what you see on a lot of uh, a lot of strats is the low end is so, like, in- all-encompassing that it's clear and it's heavy, but it's super over the top. Totally. Where it's, like, a drone effect. Well, yeah, because even, like... Using using your new guitar, it's gonna make my job mixing this shit so yeah. much easier because there's so much less uh, low mid like messiness I need to worry about in the mix. Yeah. If I'm not uh, if it's not a Strat, typically I'll go for something with uh, P90s because I'm a lot more of a single coil player than I am humbucker player. Uh, so my main backup would be my Fender Powercaster, which has I like it has a P90 in the neck. And it's got a humbucker in the bridge. So say I do need to do something a bit heavier and a bit more distorted, I can flip to that bridge or even the combo of the two. Yeah. Like it's a super versatile. I think that's my favorite out of all your guitars still. It's up there for me too. It's so pretty too. Yeah, it's beautiful. That's uh that's my main backup, but I would say almost everything I do starts with a strat. I've been a strat guy for as long as I can remember now. Uh, I just feel like you can do so much with it. Like, yeah, I think they're they're the most uh, versatile guitars you can get because um well um, there's one guitar Brandon thinking of I don't know if it's Gre- I don't think it's Gretsch but there's the one guitar that has like a and it's not a Jaguar either there's a company that does it, but they have like switches on it whatever else mm-hmm. I'm not even sure what I'm thinking of but um a Stratocaster like you already have a switch on it that lets you switch between five different pickup um selections configurations yeah. and then you have uh, is it three knobs on the strats? Yeah. yeah, you have three knobs, two tone, and so you control each tone of each of your pickups, and you have your volume. 
There's so much versatility in the versatility yeah. in the <laughs> Strat alone. The cool thing with this new um, Strat I got too is it has the it's called the Clapton mod in it, where if you're on the bridge position, you can push the tone knob and introduce the neck pickup in. Very cool. So you can get the bridge and neck combo that a lot of people look for in a Telecaster, for yeah. example, like that classic Tele middle position. Yeah. Which uh, I just thought was the coolest thing. Yeah. But. Uh, one of my main reasons for the Strat is that I've always thought you can get a Strat to sound close enough to a Les Paul. However, you can't get a Les Paul to sound like a Strat. That's very true. You know, yeah. so especially if you're going to go with like a one or two guitar setup, I really highly recommend like a a Mexican Strat. They're fantastic instruments. If you can afford it and budget's not an issue, a great American Strat too. I yeah. highly endorse but that's the that's the base of it. From there, uh, I'd love to say I have one go-to amp. Uh, it's more like four that I go on a constant rotation between. Yeah. Uh, the main one I use for my clean tone is my father built a Fender Princeton Reverb clone, a little five, uh, not five watt. I think it's ten watt, uh, one speaker amp. It only has I think a volume and a tone on it. That thing sounds incredible. Yeah, amazing. Shout out Jim Demora's. <sighs> He's made a lot of cool stuff. More I'll get into later that are currently on my pedal board too. But it's an exact clone of, I believe, a 1965 Fender Princeton Reverb. Uh, built in reverb, built in tremolo. It has the most like crystal clear, clean tones you can get at low bedroom volumes too. So... Thankfully for me, so I don't have to piss off my wife too much when I record guitars. Yeah, it's a it's a big a big win. Well, it's important for us too when we're recording in um, in a bedroom setting. Yeah. You can push the amp without it blowing your fucking door off your room. Yeah. Like that's why um, I got the Igniter Tweaker, uh, yeah. the combo amp, because you can, with it being a valve amp, you can push the tubes yeah. without having to crank it up to like six and then <laughs> not even being able to play in my house. That leads me to my second one, which is my Egnator Tweaker Hell 15. Yeah. Solid amp. Uh, Love I, that amp. I will typically use it when I want a clean tone with a bit of grit. Yeah. Like uh, I want to push it. Typically the way I set my amps, even if I'm recording like a very like dirty sound, is I want to push them to just the edge of breakup yep. without actually. And then, of course, if you want to do a little more twos when the situation calls for it, fine. But I typically like to go like just where it's about to peak. Yeah. Just well, where it's about to break. That's the whole point of... That's where you're going to find the actual... The real tone of that specific amplifier, too. Yeah. By pushing the tubes. Yeah. And one of the benefits of a 15-watt amp is, like you said, you can push it, right? Like, yeah. you could have a, a 50, 100-watt tube amp. And when you're playing live, it's great. Because you can really get the volume out of it. A lot of places it won't even matter because you're miking it anyways. I was going to say, I've always argued that no one ever, ever <laughs> in any situation ever since the 60s and 70s has ever needed a 100-watt amplifier or even a 50-watt. It's unnecessary because even if you're playing a live show, mm -hmm. that show is going to be mic'd up. And I've been a live sound engineer for years and if I'm the engineer, I'm going to ask you to turn your amp down so I can get a good yeah. sound out of it. <laughs> the majority of the shows that I've ever played have been played with a 30-watt orange rock reverb. Yeah. And I never really even have to push it past five or six in the volume until the guy's telling me to turn down. Exactly. It's yeah. worked out good on uh, 
like smaller shows where you're not miking up your amp, like when we've played, say, the Jam Spot or house shows or whatever. Yeah, I guess it's good for like those like bar bands and shit. Like but that. even then, I, I'd argue a 30 watt you can get away with. Yeah, because if you're in a venue where you're not going to need to mic up your amp, it's clearly not a, that large of a venue, right. so you won't even need to. And you can away. play. Uh, I used to play over a drummer with a tiny tear, which was a 15 watt. Yeah, exactly. Right? So it is somewhat unnecessary, and I usually go for uh, lower wattage. Uh, and even just to the point that I, because I don't need a, a ton of headroom to record here, I'd like mm-hmm. it to not break up around two or three, but uh, I don't need like 75 watts of headroom to yeah. get uh, what I'm going no, for, exactly. right? Exactly. Uh, that being said, my orange is another staple of a lot of what I've done, uh, especially if I'm going for like a real true like uh, overdrive sound. Uh, it's a fantastic pedal platform. And if you use the dirt channel on it too for a, a lead tone to then stack with your drive pedals, it's just the most raunchy, gnarly tone. Yeah, you can get disgusting tones out of the orange, yeah. man. A lot of like metal and hardcore bands play yeah. through orange stacks. All the false hope stuff that we record is using that. Yeah, example. yeah, word. That was my main. At least gigging. the live shows. Yeah, that was my main gigging amp for false hope for forever. Yeah, uh, when I eventually evolved from my fifty-one fifty. Rest Which was sick for yeah. False Hope. That's been living in a closet for a bit. Yeah, I bad. love that amp still. Thank you again, Mitch, for carrying that for so many years. Oh, my God. Up the stairs to, like, hard luck, sneaky D. <laughs> the thing weighs 130 pounds. Uh, and finally, uh, again, shout out to my dad. I He made a custom Fender Champ clone, which yeah, is a wicked. five-watt, one-knob amp. It's just a volume knob. It breaks up early. And it gets gnarly as hell when you crank it. And you can crank it all the way up, and you're still a bit over bedroom levels, but it's a 5-1 it's a amp. It only goes so loud, right? Yeah. Uh, the solo for Truman, which I did earlier this year, is that amp cranked with just Whatever a, you put in front of it in terms of pedals. Which was, I really think it was just a compressor, maybe one dirt and a reverb. Yeah. It wasn't a whole lot. It was just the, the raw tone out of that amp is unbelievable. Yeah, but And it was the first amp he built, and A, we were so surprised that not only did it work right off the bat, how good it sounded, and uh, I wish it was loud enough to gig with because 5 watts is pushing it yeah. even might because you would really have uh, no semblance of a clean tone mm-hmm. at all. You'd have to crank And even still, I don't even think it'd be loud enough. No, exactly. But yeah, so that's the core. I'd say nine times out of ten, it's the uh, the Princeton or the Eggnator. For yeah, my, the Eggnator's like definitely earned its spot in all of our recordings. It's the best. Not all of ours, but in a lot of our recordings. The best value purchase I've ever made. For a great sounding sure. amp, too. For yeah. a great um, bedroom studio amp. Yeah. The Eggnator's like a go-to. So the Princeton, the Eggnator, the mains, and then the Orange and the Champ, I kind of use just as the situation calls for it. Yeah. I knew in Truman I wanted like a uh, heavy sounding, like raunchy solo at the end. So I figured what better than just turn the thing all the way up. Yeah. I was very happy getting those I got recordings. the most killer like harmonic feedback out of it, too, which made its way in yeah. to the track. Yeah. <clears throat> I think I think that sounded really good sonically. I'm very and and the way you played it, of course, but sonically, well, thank you. <laughs> sonically, I was very happy when you sent me that recording. Sounds great, I think. So now the uh, complicated part, I suppose, of the meat of all of this. Yeah, the most fun part too, <laughs> I think. So early in my life, I was not much of a pedal guy. I played 
for a lot of years with a tuner and a noise gate. Uh, and maybe a tube screamer for some color, but almost nothing. And over the last couple of years, as the collection has grown, I realize how much pedals just fucking rule. Yeah. And how much they can really color and shape your tone to sound like you. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, your hands obviously play a big part in it, but in terms of sculpting your tone, your pedals separate you from the other guy using a Strat and an Orange or the other guy using a Strat and a, Re- and a Princeton Reverb. Yeah, 100%. Right? I found that the pedal board is really like, um, like you said, that's what's going to make your tone yours. Everyone's pedal yeah. board, for the most part, unless you literally just mimic someone else's pedal board, everyone's pedal board is different. And how you set your pedals is most likely going to be different from the next guy. For sure. So it's... Um, yeah, I agree. I think I think pedal boards are like a, a very huge like personality factor to guitar playing. Yeah. So, of course, it all starts with a tuner. And to me, there's really only two. If you're a gigging musician, well, no one is right now. But if you <laughs> plan to be later. In due time. Or have before. To me, the um, TC Electronic Polytune, I believe they're up to the three now. And they also make a mini which is cool if you have kind of a crowded board. Make them in white and black now, too. Yeah. Or the uh, the Boss, whatever they call their tuner. Uh, the Boss one. Yeah, the Boss Chromatic Tuner. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I use the Polytune strictly because I like the bigger screen on it, especially in a stage environment. It just makes it a little easier to see. But the one thing to be said about the Boss one, as well as all Boss pedals, is they will last for a thousand years. Yeah. I, and you can find them anywhere. So if the worst case scenario happens where something on your board breaks and you need to cop something, no matter what country or city you're in, if there's a music store, odds are they have a boss pedal there. Very true. For you to get. (laughs) That's very true. Right? Uh, But I use the Polytune. Uh, I've had that thing for like 10 years. It's the Polytune 1. It's never let me down. The screen's great. It works great. You can't really ask for much more. Uh, From there, I go into a Boss NS2, which is a noise suppressor. And it's a bit of a myth that you only really need a noise suppressor if you're a high gain or metal player. And I would argue you need it just as much if you're a largely clean player. Because if you're a clean player and you're trying to get that crystal clear tone, and usually at a bit lower volume and a bit lower push from your amp, you're going to hear everything. Yeah, You're going to hear every little bit of hiss or if you're like me where you have bad power in your house uh, those hums hum and static noise right uh same with that uh like i said about boss pedals i've had that noise suppressor since i think two months after i started playing guitar it's played hundreds of shows it's been everywhere (laughs) i've never had to replace it yeah and noise suppressors i personally believe are very important um to use because most guitar players will use a compressor and I think it's very important to put a noise suppressor in front of the compressor because you want to cut out those nasty signals before you get to the compressor. Or like I talked about last week in the last episode, a compressor will bring out, it brings up your noise floor. Right. So if you don't cut those harsh frequencies before you even get to the compressor, then those frequencies are going to get louder and your compressor won't do what you want it to do. One benefit and the main reason that I chose the Boss one all those years ago too is having a Boss pedal on your board also acts as a buffer. Boss pedals have a built-in buffer, so you don't have to buy, excuse me, uh, an external one, a waste of spot on your board. And without a buffer on your board, I found that you just lose, it sounds weird, but lose tone. 
per se. Oh, well, yeah, especially if you're running like eight or more pedals. So that's the key lose, to it. Yeah, you're going to lose tone at that point. If you're running uh, just like a tuner and a noise gate and like one driver, something the guy was for years, you probably don't need it. But if you're, you're one of these guys with a bigger board, you for sure need a buffer. And I see no sense of wasting a spot on A, your power supply, and B, your board. When you could just throw like a Boss NS2, which works the same, if not better, than most other noise suppressors out there. Yeah. And it's like a two in one effect, right? I agree. Uh, from there, it, like Greg alluded to, I go into my compressor. Uh, I just picked it up a few months ago. I'm running a Keeley Compressor Plus. I was running an EHX, uh, I believe it's called a Tone Corset. Yeah, the Torn Corset. Yeah. Uh, which is a, such a cool name. Yeah. It's a good pedal, too. Yeah, I love that thing. I had that thing for years. Uh, it was really on a spur of the moment that I picked up the Keeley just because I've used the same compressor for a really long time and I wanted to try something new. And man, these Keeley, the Keeley compressors are especially, they're like, they're well, they're known for their drive pedals, but their yeah. compressors are very well known for as well. I couldn't believe uh, the difference because I use my compressor as an always on effect. I don't really cycle it off because I don't see a reason to. And I really couldn't believe the tonal difference between the Keeley one and the EHX one. Yeah, it br- it really brings everything out of your guitar and amp. Yeah, yeah. It it just tightens everything up. This one has a switch for single coils and humbuckers to uh, help with the attack. Because yeah. if you're like me, where you just kind of turn knobs till the compressor sounds good, attack <laughs> has always confused me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so I think they kind of know that most guitarists are like that, so they kind of make it so. If you're using a Strat, use this button. If you're using a Les Paul, use this button. There you go. They make it nice and easy so for you. We can't dumb it down anymore. Yeah, they make it nice and easy for you. But I love that thing. Uh, Robert Keeley's a great uh, a great owner, and the company's amazing. They make amazing products. And when you bought that pedal, just with you saying like he's a great owner and the company's amazing, when you bought that pedal, wasn't it um, – I think one of the reasons you did it is because they were doing a sale. For Black Lives Matter. For, it was for Black Lives Matter. Yeah, yeah they were taking like um, – I don't know if it, it wasn't all proceeds, but like it was a portion, a, a portion. Yeah. I think it was like seventy percent of proceeds or something like that went towards um, Black Lives Matters fund, founds um, funds and whatever community they're from. I'm not yeah, sure I'm not Keely sure. Is, but yeah. yeah, it was a really cool thing that they did. It was awesome. So from there, we go into my favorite part and the thing that I think really shapes my tone as a player, which is my gain staging. Now, when I was younger, I didn't really understand it, and I always just kind of thought, well, my amp has a distortion channel. Why do I need a a dirt pedal? And why do I need multiple dirt pedals, right? And uh, that might still be true, but... (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you get carried away. No, I agree with, with that being said, before you get into it, I really agree with just, I'm looking at it right now, I agree heavily with your gain stage, how it's set up. Yeah. And what each of them do. So I'll let you get into that. So I go from low, super low gain, almost like a transparent boost, to a super over-the-top high gain distortion. So it starts with, uh, again, shout out to my father. Thank you again, Jim. But he <laughs> built a, um, a copy of an Analog Man Prince of Tone. And I was happy he did because, like most Analog Man products, unless you want to spend outrageous money, there's a two- or three-year wait list. I'm currently on the now four-year-long wait list for the Analog Man King of Tone, which I'm only about eight months into. But it's uh, you can use it as a bit of a slightly more pushed overdrive. I find it best as just a low-gain, transparent boost, like a clean boost, per se, where I'll use it as 
My amp's already on the verge of breaking, and this doesn't really add to the saturation, but it kind of bumps the volume up, and I use it as, uh, like, the color from it yeah. to shape my clean tone. It brings a bit more harmonics out of it, a bit more body to the clean sound. It's just, uh, like, it's just a nice little tonal change, yep. per se, right? From there, I am into an MXR Timmy. And MXR partnered with Paul Cochran sometime last year, I think, to make his, a remake of his famous uh, Timmy overdrive pedal. He also makes uh, a Tim, which is a, a two-stage overdrive pedal. I didn't even know that. I thought he only made the Timmy. <laughs> I only learned about the Tim a few months ago. It was really cool. Yeah, they didn't right. make many of them. But uh, it was a good way for them to mass produce this like iconic overdrive pedal because... Like the Analog Man ones, uh, the Timmy is very hard to come by and very expensive what they do. Yeah, and they did it brilliantly in terms of marketing because they announced it at NAMM 2020. Yeah. And it was like, the per- I, they sold out right away. You got I bought one that day. Yeah, you got one like right away. They sold out immediately. But again, it's uh, like a lot of the theme of my gig and staging is I like transparent overdrives. I don't want my guitars and my amps to just sound like these pedals. I want these pedals to accentuate my gear yeah if that makes sense they add a lot of life into it man it's and it's each of them what's really cool and you'll get into the other ones you have too but what's really cool um, with each of these gain pedals or overdrive pedals is that they add their own um type of like flavor if you will or their own color um which is why i agree with how you have four gain pedals or four overdrive pedals because Mm. they each serve such a different purpose right and uh, I, the, one of the reasons I stray, I stray away from Tube Screamers is because to me, when you turn on a Tube Screamer, it just sounds like a Tube Screamer. There's a big mid-hump. There's a gigantic mid-hump. And as a Strat player, and again, if that's the thing you're going for, like Stevie Ray Vaughan's famous tone was a Tube Screamer cranked to hell. Well, I'm using a Tube Screamer yeah. on my board right now, too. That totally serves a purpose, and even Tube Screamer clones like the Earthquaker Plumes, for example, or the JHS Bonsai. They completely serve a purpose. It's just not the tone that I'm looking for. Yeah, I uh, Transparency is very important to me in my overdrives. Out of the Timmy, I go into my J-Rocket Archer, which is a Klon Centaur clone, which is just this... <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, really, when you... Like, the Klon Centaur is a funny thing. It's so hard to explain. Like, it's this super touch-sensitive... <laughs> it's transparent, yet it's not, because you know it sounds like a Klon... But every guitar you plug into it will sound different yeah. as well. So what I find the most like the most funny thing to me about the Klon Centaur and the whoever it is that designs the Klon Centaur is very, very aware of this and makes fun of it. But the pedal isn't it like five thousand dollars? Well, because they only made them for a few years. Yeah. Back in the eighties, and now they're gone. So the ones that are out there are expensive as hell. But then any, because he made more. Like, so he made years ago, or he still does now, but it's called the Klon KTR. Yeah. And on the side of it, it says, it's something to the effect of like the ridiculous hype that surrounds this is not of my making. Yeah. He's basically something. making fun of people for making this pedal cost $5,000. Yeah. <laughs> now it's a fantastic overdrive and it's my absolute favorite overdrive sound that I've ever played. Uh, to the point that I didn't even know I needed it until I had it here, and now I could never go without it. 
Yeah. Well, even to the point where like I ended up getting my own clone centaur clone too. I have the electro harmonics. I think it makes yeah. it the soul food. Yeah. Which um we've we keep meaning to do a shootout between our two pedals yeah. to see if they really sound too different because they're both meant to be a clone of the same yeah. pedal. But by the time we were gonna do that, there was a pandemic hit and then we that had to get back thing. to making music and there's all this stuff so we haven't gone to that yet yeah. but we'll do that eventually yeah there's uh tons of companies make clones uh wampler makes one called the tumness i think there's there's dozens of them i went with the uh, j rocket simply because i've read a lot that it was the closest thing you can get to a clone without it actually being a clone and without it costing thousands of dollars yeah because even the new clone ktrs range in the eight nine hundred dollar ish range mm -hmm. and to me i didn't see how that could be seven eight hundred dollars better than what this is yeah and it's fantastic like if you're um if you're a john mayer fan a lot of his like signature lead tone comes from that clon sound that's a big part of it and then it sucks uh that it's this company oh yeah and i shouldn't even <laughs> say it but i'm still running it so it's whatever uh the full tone ocd yeah it's uh mike mike fuller's a piece he's of garbage a piece of shit. he's hot trash but hot trash. pedal's pretty fucking great and i it sucks that it's such sucks. a good pedal it mostly yeah. sucks that he has that attitude yeah and we're not even going to talk about that look it up yourself mike fuller full tone nor am i going to get into this pedal that much it's a high gain distortion pedal it also has a high pass and a low pass option yeah. For high gain overdrive for the little I use it, that thing does what it needs to do perfectly. Yeah. So for now it's not leaving. With but this being said, we don't really endorse buying a full tone OCD. There I don't are so many other yeah. high gain distortion pedals. It it's it sucks because I bought my OCD GE, which is um they the use germanium. a germanium diode um in it. Um I bought that right before all this shit came out with, with him just being a dumbass. Yeah. And yeah, there's so many better, actually, high-gain... Um, there's hundreds of options. You can get out there. Do your research and don't give Mike Fuller any money. Yeah. I was like him. I bought it before all this shit came out. Me too. And <laughs> I like the thing, and it hasn't found a way off my board yet. One, and good luck selling it once you have it now, so... So that's something. <laughs> but yeah, so that, that's my game staging. Um, the top layer of my board... The fun. More fun, yeah. Um, so it all starts... I've always been somewhat not confused by modulation, but I never wanted to buy six, seven pedals for the little bit I use modulation. By modulation, I mean like phaser, flanger, uh, rotary filters. Chorus. chorus. I've okay. dabbled with boss chorus pedals. I had a phase 90 for a while, but nothing ever to the point that stuck. So earlier this year when I found a good deal on a Strymon Mobius I snatched it up, and this thing, this thing is, is wicked. It's unbelievable. It is so wicked. This so, is my favorite pedal you have ever gotten. It's one of the uh, big footprint Strymon pedals. It takes up the print of about three average pedals, but it's got, I think, a 12-way switch on it with every effect under the sun between phaser, flange, rotary. It's got a low-pass filter, an envelope filter. I built a uh, Qtron out of it, like... You can make uh, different presets on it, and if you go on YouTube and stuff, you can just emulate pretty much any famous modulation pedal, and they'll show you how. 
Yeah, it's the things. It's the most versatile guitar pedal I have ever ever seen. And if you want to hear it in action, check out our song Truman. If you haven't already, yeah. the um, intro guitar. Well, the guitar, and the whole song, but the intro yeah. guitar. Um, it is the warbled vinyl yeah, effect. Yeah, warbled vinyl effect that we use off this Mobius, and it's fucking. I this pedal has creatively opened up. I, I've, I've noticed it's opened up your guitar playing a lot creatively yeah. because there's so much shit you can play with within it. The guy who I bought it from uh, from said it perfectly, where if there's something you don't like in the pedal, it's not the pedal, you just haven't dialed it in yet. Because yeah. this thing can do anything. Uh, like, even the Warble Vinyl is, like, kind of an old, like, uh, literally that, like, a, a vinyl player equipped with, like, the crackle and the kind of, like, the lo-fi effect to it and everything. Yeah. Uh, I love it to death, and I haven't really even found a setting I don't like on it yet. And you, yeah, you probably haven't even dove in deep into like over twenty five percent of it yet. Yeah. There's so much to dive into. On it, it came uh, with a hundred presets, and then you can make your own. You can set everything to pre or post drive because some people like uh, phasing their drive as opposed to the opposite. Yep. So the cool part about it is you can put it anywhere on your board because then you can set the knob to be, say, pre-drive, even if it's physically after it. It's a really cool effect. Um, If you want to hear the rotary on it, check out our track Perfume. I did the solo with a a Leslie simulator off the Mobius. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turned out super cool. I did it as a joke, actually, and then we both really liked it. I loved it. And then we put distortion on it using last week we talked about the many american um waves distortion plugin mm-hmm. we use that and the saturation the soft tube saturation of on it in pro tools we got a cool sound for that guitar <coughs> solo i think yeah so that's the mobius like i said i was i like modulation but never to the point of wanting to have seven eight pedals of modulation on my board so when i found this it was just the All perfect thing for my needs right um from there, we go into my delay, and much like my game staging, I have a little smaller but a delay staging setup here. I run my uh, MXR Carbon Copy as this really subtle, like, analog slapback type of effect, uh, where it's just a quick, like, snap-repeat kind of thing. If you let it oscillate too much, I find it just goes insane. It never ends. It doesn't stop. Yeah, I have this pedal too. I didn't know it's the same thing. I've noticed like even I don't even have to go over halfway with yeah. the repeats and it's it just continues oscillating forever and ever. So that's kind of the purpose. Like you don't really buy an analog delay to have these like crazy like U2 type of effects. Like to me, the purpose of a good analog delay is that like kind of surfy slap back. Yeah, I agree. And almost to the point, I use it to the point of subtlety where as I'm playing, you won't really even notice it's there until I really like smack a note. Mm-hmm. But like, like it's very reactive, about, this pedal. Yeah. Yeah. Like Greg talked about in the last episode, you would definitely notice it if it wasn't there. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's on a lot of my lead playing, even a bit if I'm doing some kind of like lo fi ambient uh, rhythm work. I was going to say, you hear it in a lot of your chord work too, that yeah. pedal. Yeah. It's, it's, I wouldn't say it's always on, but it's close to always on. Yeah. It's got a cool modulation button in it too, which just kind of like modulates the delay. And that's where you kind of want to have the repeat set up a little higher so yeah. you can have them trail off because they start to like, yeah. they don't phase, do they phase? No, they like, they start to like wobble. They kind of wobble a bit. Yeah. yeah. It's more of like a, 
almost like a flanger than a phase. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, it's cool though. It's a really cool pedal. Uh, you can find them used everywhere too for relatively cheap. I got mine cheap. used. I found yeah. them on Facebook Marketplace like last year. Or These are mass like produced and they're everywhere. But I've uh, for the small footprint and for what it does, it's perfect. And I, I'm debating changing this next, but I'm going into a Boss DD3 digital delay after that for kind of like the uh, U2. I hate you too, so I shouldn't even use that example. Angels and Airways. <laughs> I don't know. The Edge is like famous for this crazy delay tricks. Yeah. You use this for creative delay. Exactly. When I want to do kind of pattern delay or um, really like uh, expressive picking where mm-hmm. I want it to like complement it, I'll use it for that. It doesn't get a lot of use, and I'm thinking of a better way to use a spot on the board because it's just not really the player I am. But for. A digital delay, you can't really go wrong with a boss. The DD3, I think they're up to like the DD8 now. Yeah. They're all slightly different. They're different though. Yeah, because the DD8 is a stereo delay, I think, isn't it? Maybe. I don't know. They've So they've made different versions of this DD3. Like the DD7 is the DD3 with a tap tempo. Mm. For example, they add features as time goes on, but it's that's it's like anything. <laughs> it's exactly it's that core boss delay sound, uh, and for a digital delay, I've always found it fine. It's just I'm not really even a big digital delay guy myself, so I. Yeah, I never really have been. I think it's gonna make its way off my board to complement the next and final section of my board. I'm debating buying a Walrus Audio Slow. Which is like a, an ambient dark texture, like a reverb. lo-fi reverb. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. that might take its place. I have the Caroline Audio Meteor. Meteor. Which, yeah, he pronounced it Meteor. He made a point <laughs> to call it that. But um, yeah. same kind of thing. It's yeah, lo-fi reverb. Yeah. So dope. So so dope. So that leads into the final part, which now might have a new addition to it in the new year. Perhaps we'll see. Uh, my reverb section. So. Greg, for Christmas, I believe, last year? Last year, yeah. Built a spring reverb pedal for me. Yeah, based off of a Fender, couldn't tell you what year. Like it's, so it's the classic, if you're going for that uh, like spring reverb tank sound, yeah. like an old uh, Fender tube amps, for example, this thing does it better than any pedal I've heard that emulates a spring reverb. Yeah, this this pedal, when I was when I put it together, it... Turned out, I remember when before I get to that to make sure it worked. I remember <laughs> plugging in, plug, plugging it in, and I could not believe like it turned out f- far far better than I thought it would. It's the same thing as the champ, right? Like a, you're surprised that it works, and b, yeah. it's like how the fuck does the thing? You sound get over the so first good? surprise, yeah. and then you're like, holy shit! Like I like this. So that's my go-to on a lot of uh, a lot of my chord work, uh, depending on what I'm doing. If it's like. Uh, uh, kind of a quick slappy part. I'll use it a lot. If I'm doing any kind of like rock stuff, I use it always. Um, I don't use it a lot for lead work unless it's a, a super high gain solo or not a super high gain, but a higher gain than I normally do solo. Yeah. I'll use it a lot for that. It does its job fantastic. And it's not just a uh, thank you, it's a present thing that's still on my board. It's genuinely a <laughs> fantastic pedal. No, that, like most things on your board, that became a big staple of our sound for the singles yeah. this year. I think 
almost all the chord work was done using that. Yeah, and a lot of the times we didn't um, put reverb on the guitars in Pro Tools after mm-hmm. the fact because we just we liked the sound of this pedal um, and the other pedal actually that he's about to dive into as well. We like a lot too. But um, a lot of the times we actually use the sound, the reverb sounds from his pedal board opposed to from using what's in Pro Tools because if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Don't complicate your job Straight if up. you have something that works and sounds great. So that's why we use these pedals in a lot of the recordings. And finally, and I'll finish this up because this has already run longer than I wanted it to, <laughs> um, an Ocean's Eleven um, by Electro Harmonics. It's one of these multi-reverb effects pedals. It's similar to the TC Electronics Hall of Fame 2, Yeah, I believe it's called. Yep, yep. But it does everything. It has hall, plate reverbs. It has its own spring. It has kind of this weird reverse delay thing that's really cool. That, like, synthy one that it has, has too. Shimmer. Shimmer, it's called. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I mostly use it as a, uh, a plate reverb for uh, ambient chord work. Uh, yeah. This thing can go as over the top as you want it to. Very, very versatile. It can be yeah. very relaxed, too, which is generally, like, in the main, like, chord work you do yeah. when you use it. It's very laid back, but it can get pretty extreme. The plate's my go-to. I use the hall a lot if I want to go for that, like, really over-the-top wet sound. Like, if yeah. you listen to uh, Waves from earlier this year, that was the hall setting pretty cranked up just to sound like you're really in, like, that big... In a big hall. Hall, right? Yeah. And it does its job super well. I've, I have no plans on replacing it. I don't really see what, say, like a Strymon Big Sky would offer me that this thing doesn't yeah. for the money difference. Fraction of the price. Yeah, I just don't. Uh, it's uh, it's apple oranges for me. Like I just mm-hmm. don't see a need for that to ever leave my board. Yeah. Uh, honorable mention off to the side, I have a classic Dunlop Crybaby Wah pedal, which I won't really get into because it's, it's a Crybaby it's a wall pedal. You know what it does. It's the standard. <laughs> Expression. And a Boss RC300 Looper, which I talked a bit about a couple weeks ago, so again, I won't go in too much. Yeah. But um, that's it, really. That's my long-winded <laughs> explanation. Behind of, the tone of North of 64. Of how I get myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We could have we could have wanted to talk about each guitar, too. This can be like a special three-hour episode. <laughs> how long do y'all got? <laughs> yeah. No, that's... Uh, yeah, that's the... That's pretty much the guitar sound of North of 64. Every single one of these pedals has been on a North of 64 record in some way, except for the looper pedal, obviously. But every pedal and not every amp. But um, most of this... You're incorrect. So the orange for sure was? The Agnator has been... My Agnator at least has been. My Agnator has too for songs I sent Your you earlier champ this year. has been. My Champ has been. The uh, Princeton was... In, it has. It was the Chords of Waves. Yeah, I did on my uh, that. The only amp I have in this room that I didn't use was a um, again made by my dad, a Fender Bassman clone. The PV fifty one fifty. That's coming up. <laughs> Just you wait. Yeah, but no, I guess yeah. Everything that we talked about here then has you've heard it on a North of sixty four record. See, it's not excess. We need all of this. <laughs> it's all yeah. it's all necessary. No, shut up. I'm gonna tell myself that we could. <laughs> yeah, that's it, it. Yeah, thank you guys for listening. We hope you like guitars. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to figure out outros one day. But in case we don't see ya. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good night. Good night.